0: You may be wondering what I'm doing. If you were here last week, I am trying to avoid the landmines that Peter puts out. (laughs) That's why I love Peter. People like me usually were thinking through now, I don't want to step on any landmines. And Peter goes, landmines, that'll be fun. (laughs) Speaking of landmines, I want to be clear from the beginning that I am not here to diminish any joy in the room. I want you to have as much joy as you can. And while you're full of joy, just remember people like me, don't leave us behind. My tribe struggles this time of year. A lot of you know my story, I've been here for so many years. And you're probably caught up, I struggle with depression, somewhere on the bipolar spectrum, alcoholism, and just other stuff. And this time of year is sometimes more difficult for us. It's, it's difficult, difficult because of this time of year that tool of Satan called Facebook Where our feed reminds us of how much God loves you more than us. Or Walmart. I went to Walmart this last week. You know how the story's going to end already, don't you? It's not going to end good. No, the lady in front of me, who had never used the self-checkout line, and I think intuited that I was late to a Christmas event. The irony of that is not lost on me. And how in my heart, as she struggled, but finally completed her purchase, and then went to pay, declined. Which is fine, I'm not judging that. I'm judging that 10 other times it still said, declined, declined, and then she brought out another card. And she swiped in, and you know what it said. No, it it passed. You guys are cynics. All right. (laughs) I'm here to represent the blue Christmas crowd. We're united in our joint experience of pain, but no two of us share the same story. And we want you to know that we do not want less joy for you, but more compassion for us. A partial list of us includes the lonely and the depressed, the addicted, and the grieving. Some of us are orphans, and some of us have large, even loving families. Some of us are divorced, and some of us are married but wishing we were divorced, feeling trapped and hopeless. We are singles who never dreamed that we would arrive at Christmas 2015 without a partner. We feel lonely, not necessarily alone. For those of us who are depressed, we tend to get worse this time of year. And for most of us, our brains will not cooperate with our desire to be happy. Some lack chemicals needed and some have way too many. Some of us have suffered brain damage from abuse, physical, emotional, and sexual. We are addicts, we are desperate and genetically predisposed to ease our pain with chemicals that just makes it worse. Some of us are grieving. It may seem like too long to you, like we're just hanging on to our grief, or it is time for us to move on. We would if we could. We are still assaulted by memories and broken dreams. We admit we're a tricky group, that our worse. we have this survival instinct that compels us to isolate, and your kind invitation to join you and your family may, may not be met with a yes. We struggle to explain this part, but coming to your house may in fact make our loneliness worse, or it may just be what we need. We need you to be with us as best as you can and as best as we can. We need Emmanuel, the God who sits with us while rescuing us. We need you, but you also need to know that what we need you to embrace is that you need us. That together, the joy-filled and the trying-to-be-joy-filled, that we can tell the whole story. That's what we want to do this morning, is not take away any joy, but tell the whole story, the gospel, and together we can do that. I'm going to read from the familiar familiar text that describes the event that we are celebrating this season. who was now obviously pregnant. See we want to just remind you that the, the story is doesn't necessarily immediately elicit joy. This story uh, about an oppressor of God's beloved people who now centuries and centuries of oppression are living the same story over and over and it's getting worse, not better. That the emperor has his foot on their necks and he is calling for a census. Why? So he can more equitably distribute the social good? No, so he can extract every penny he possibly can. The Romans were, were genius at knowing how to get as much money as they can without soliciting or eliciting a rebellion. And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to just figure out how he can get every penny that he can. It is nothing but oppression. This story is a story of horror. and We don't grasp the horror of this. A story so horrible that as we continue reading them while they were there, the time for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. Oh, I I think I I skipped this. I'm sorry, I skipped this verse. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. You don't have to be a Bible genius. Circle two words in your Bible if you want. Circle fiance and pregnant. And even today, there's a little bit of, ooh. That's the context of our story. And why were there the time for her baby to be born? She gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging for him. That this was such a dark period that you're going to tell me that nobody could scooch over a little in their bed, that there was nobody who could for one night sleep on the floor and let a little pregnant teenager without her mom, with no midwife, with nothing. You're going to tell me there's no place I don't believe that. I believe there was no place anybody was willing to give her. And so she ends up in a cave where they keep their animals because she is an unwed, pregnant teen from an outside town. And there is in that day not only the oppression of the Romans, but there is the oppression of their own bad theology, that has somehow gotten this idea that when bad things happen, you deserve it. It's pre, it's Jewish karma. And it is horrible, horrible. You see, what we want is we want a, a bigger reading of the story. Let's just look at the Nativity for a while. Now, that picture just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And there is not, I don't know if there's one thing in that picture that's true. Now, one thing. How many of you have given birth? I bet you didn't sit like this. I bet you had some ice. I bet you had a little donut or a little pillow. I bet you had something to ease your pain at some, in some way. She had none of this. She owned one set of clothing, and that was the same clothing that she gave birth in. That's a nice outfit that gal's wearing. <laughs> I am astonished at how Caucasian our Jesus is. <laughs> and the wise men, they don't show up for two years. There's no welcoming party. And isn't that a nice little cozy house? Jesus was born in a cave. And the animals were in this cave. And you think about animals and caves where there's no air moving. It doesn't stink. It is oppressive. And it's the only option available. And the story is horror. And then in the midst of your horror, you get a little welcoming committee. Shepherds. Dirty shepherds. The last person you want to see is a shepherd. And that is our nativity. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of rags, lying in a manger, which, by the way, is just most likely a hollowed out part of the rock. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host. Of others the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased I love I love the joy in this story and I have to embrace the horror of this story and so what we would like is for you to be maybe more generous with your definition of joy It would help us if you could measure joy, not in a destination, but only in the steps. That three steps towards joy for me, who struggles with it, might look different than three steps for you that don't struggle. But I think from God's perspective, we were experiencing the same amount of joy. It just manifests differently. We would love if, if joy wasn't described as, as a switch that is on and off. You have it or you don't. But the joy exists in the midst of our depression and our anxiety and our addiction. No question, God is calling us to be people of joy. But what that looks like for some is, is just a shorter step than for others. And the way we express it may be different than you. Real joy, real deep joy is often a morning when I am able to get out of bed and the crushing weight that pins me in the dark, I fight through. I may not be able to get to a smile that day, but I'm up. And that is joy. It helps us when you honor with us our genetic memory and how our senses of that memory become so heightened at Christmas that because of the expectations and the shoulds, and we see around us all the happiness that we should have. But you see, we remember in our our DNA that our story isn't beginning now. Our story began in a garden or a playground or a paradise or a heaven. That the gospel begins there. The gospel begins, the story of us begins when there was no real separation between heaven and earth or between human and God or between human and human. And we remember that that's what it should be. That yes, we should be happier. And yes, we should be healthier. And yes, we should not be grieving because death is an aberration. And it is in that, not because of that, that joy comes. And the stories live together. It would help us if we could just embrace both. And it'll help us when we remind each other the joy and many of God's promises are true. And they are a post-data check. It's all true. But it's not all experienced. I don't want less joy for you. I want us to be together. I want me and my friends who feel the only way we can belong is to be quiet. You see, the way we often survive in groups is to not talk about it. And I think what happens is we, we, we We tell a fake story. I don't want less joy in the story. I just want more of this other part of the reality. I want more of what it means for us to cry with those who cry and laugh with those who laugh. I want the gospel, which is birth. In horror and depression and darkness. In the midst of a story of joy and redemption. To live together. And to be fair, I want you who aren't depressed or addicted or grieving. To feel fully free to bring that. And not to be embarrassed about your experience. Peter said last night we were chatting that every sermon really just has one point. And it's always the same point, but it's never the same sermon. I love that. Nothing nothing captures this idea of the whole gospel better than this story. Jesus coming to save us. What could be better than that? And doing it, as he said on that night that he was betrayed, this is my body that is broken for you. For those of you, all of you who have broken bodies. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the new covenant, the new deal with God. And here's the deal. That genetic DNA, that memory you have of being connected to God, and all you've believed that it took to make that happen, to be good, to try harder, Stop hurting. That's all a lie. I'll take that. And I'll show you that there is a new deal with God. It is my blood which is poured out for you. That's the gospel. It is the horror and the redemption. It is God turning our sorrow to joy over a lifetime. And so we invite you to eat the gospel, the broken body and the shed blood. As you said that night Jesus, that you thanked the Father. You thanked Him for the bread and you thanked Him for the wine, but I think you thanked Him for the gospel. Your unbelievable love for us, compelling you to do the unspeakable. We are your body, all of us, every story. Tells a better, more true story. Help us do that. Amen. And all of these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, things present, nor things come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of God's creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Merry Christmas and amen.